0: Welcome to the avenging hour merry christmas are we
1: are we we're recording this on christmas eve because we do this every every sunday so you can release it sunday
0: night right no we're gonna do this one at, uh, let's tell them we're doing it on saturday we're gonna do this one a day early <laughs> we're doing this on saturday are you gonna release it on saturday <laughs> i think i have to yeah because sunday i have the family the christmas eve thing i cook all day i don't have time to edit podcasts pshaw bah humbug so we're doing this on it is right as we do this right now it's December 23rd. I can set the date so it gets released on Christmas Day. This can be our Christmas present to our listeners. Wouldn't not releasing a podcast be a Christmas present <laughs> to our listeners? We're going to take the whole month off. <laughs> Merry Christmas.
1: So we are recording this on Christmas
0: Day. As far as they know, yes. All right, Because we care that much about our listeners. <laughs> uh, Merry Christmas. Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I'm Jingle Jason. I'm Jingle John. <laughs> We're having a jingle-jangle Christmas. Uh, that's right. All right. Are we going to do this? Should we do this? Oh, yeah. Whatever. West Coast Avengers issues. Nobody cares. Uh, previously on the Avenging Hour... And for good reason. Both teams have been battling their fair shares of dumb villains, but the West Coast team are the real winners, having faced off against Headlock, Griffin, Shockwave, Razor Fist, and Zaran the Weapons Master. A veritable who's who of who's that? And now episode 133
1: the more i was looking at razor fist the more i'm like that is the <laughs> stupidest villain i've ever seen he can't do anything he's who, got two razors for hands who thought that was a good idea he wasn't the one driving the car when they escaped <laughs> right to the steering column <laughs> we are going to start with west coast avengers number 12 this is from september of 1986 it is by those old west coast Avengers stalwarts steve englehart and al milgram and it is called the attraction between two bodies Ah, I'm blind Wonder Man has a new costume And it is awful (laughs) It's all green and red And it looks like some sort of spokesman For a Christmas tree company He's also dyeing his grey hair To a nice lustrous black And ditching his goggles So everyone can see his glowy eyes Why the change? Well, he's a movie star now, and also, in case you haven't been paying attention, he's obnoxious. And this new look screams obnoxious. It's perfect for him. Not to be outdone, Mockingbird runs off, and she comes back with a new costume as well. Well, it's not so much a new costume as the old costume without the leggings, but that's fine, as her costume was not a problem to begin with. (laughs) She just took her pants off. (laughs) (laughs) Still it gives most of the men on the team A chance to be somewhat creepy About the attractive women with whom they work Although not as creepy as a shadowy figure Spying on the team from miles away who seems quite taken with Tigra. I'm glad someone is taken with Tigra, because she's still super annoying to me. She's all up in Mockingbird's Grill when Mockingbird tries to talk to her about their plan to eliminate Tigra's cat soul, and then she jumps all over Wonder Man. Simon doesn't have any interest, though, since he's got a lady friend at the studio that he likes, and besides, isn't Tigra doing the dirty with Hank Pym? Then Tigra tries to get with Iron Man, but Tony Stark says the same thing. Aren't you with Hank? (laughs) Frustrated in more ways than one, Tiger rushes off to find Hank and tell him that she can have sex with anyone or everyone and it's not his business. Pym is giving orders to the grounds crew and as soon as she starts to yell at him, he tells her that she's wonderful and kisses her and she completely melts because why should she have any agency in her life? Who wouldn't melt when face to face with a green pants, green plaid shirt wearing failed super heroic wife beater? Meanwhile, some dude in a costume comes bursting out of a solar flare and flies toward Earth in answer to some sort of signal sent from our planet. Meanwhile, meanwhile, some green-skinned woman bursts out of a nuclear reactor to the surprise of everyone there, destroying some power lines on the way out and apparently releasing the living electrical energy that is Zax. Back at the compound, other characters with slightly more personality are interacting. Pym is telling Hawkeye that he wants to pick up where Firebird left off and check some occult bookstores to try and track down Master Pandemonium. Tigra is jumping around from tree to tree like she's half monkey and not half cat, Mm -hmm. talking about how she wants to be all cat when some force brings her to ground and knocks her out. In LA, our collection of powers, masquerading as characters, pop up in the streets and start tearing things up. The Avengers are quickly called in and even though Tigra doesn't show up, the other four members pile into a Quinjet and go out to beat some bad guys. They soon find the villains and the fight begins. Look, I'm just going to use the names for these lame baddies even if the book doesn't write away. Quantum creates dozens of duplicates of himself, all with super strength. Half-Life ages anyone she touches. Zax is living electricity. It doesn't matter, as as our four Avengers mop them up relatively easily. I guess that's it for this issue. Or is it? Because our quartet of heroes suddenly find themselves driven to the ground by the power of Graviton, (sighs) our mysterious man from earlier, who already has Tigra captured. To be continued. Our roll call this issue is Wonder Man, Tigra, Mockingbird, Hawkeye, and Iron Man. We also see Henry Pym, and our villains are Graviton, Quantum, Half-Life, and Zaxx. And Wonder Man's new costume. (laughs) Uh, This is the first appearance ever, anywhere, of both Quantum and Half-Life. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. Oh, well, that takes care of half of my notes. I thought they were Hulk villains. Nope. Uh, Quantum couldn't be less important. Uh, He may appear (laughs) one more time anywhere after this storyline. Basically, he's an alien super soldier. His powers are really nebulous. He has super strength and some invulnerability and can fly and seems to be able
0: to create duplicates. That are equally as strong as him. Yeah, and seems solar powered. And speaks some weird language that looks like a bunch of lightning strikes. Yeah. Half-Life is also an alien
1: who came to Earth because Graviton sent for her, but we don't know how he sent for her or why she decided to come to Earth because he asked her to. We don't even actually see her coming to Earth. We just see her come out of a nuclear reactor. She can accelerate aging generates some heat disintegrates some matter and is invulnerable to some energies (laughs) did we learn all of that in this issue or did you read that from somewhere else no i had to read that because we learned nothing this issue zax actually has been around that is a hulk villain he is he's from incredible hulk number 166 that was august of 1973 basically some terrorists were sabotaging an electrical plant and accidentally created a being of living electricity as you do Hmm. zax is barely sentient He's been destroyed and recreated a few times. He's fought the Hulk, the Thing, and Luke Cage. His power is
0: that he's electric. Yeah, Wonder Man's new costume looks stupid, and that is the best description that I could come up with.
1: Yes, this is true. Also, I um, didn't realize he was dyeing his hair. Was his hair gray before? I didn't. Yeah, I had to go back and double check. Did but... he have
0: like Reed Richards' temples or? Or was it all gray? I don't... Oh, yeah, here. See. I just thought it was a coloring error.
1: Yeah, no, it's all... Yeah,
0: his hair was all gray before, now it's when black. When did that happen? When did his hair go gray? I
1: think he, he explains it some... I think he explains it here. He says, if you'd been clinically dead for years, your hair would be prematurely gray, too. I
0: don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't think that's science.
1: You know, it's a shame with the current events in this country of of men being horrible to women and being called out on it. Of course, Tony Stark would be one of those who just makes so many creepy comments about the women in this issue. I have a feeling
0: that that's Steve Englehart. I do too. Because Iron Man says a lot of creepy things, but we're kind of used to Iron Man being the playboy persona. But he works a lot of misogynistic things in throughout the issue, regardless of Iron Man.
1: And you should be careful what you say about them because they are women and their emotions make them wild. (laughs) I've heard that. Yeah.
0: I don't understand... Okay, so Hawkeye says he's got a new costume, too. He took his sleeves off. Yes. Which isn't really true, because on his bow arm, he has to keep a longer sleeve on anyway to protect his forearm from the string. So he really lost, like... He's not showing a lot of skin. A half a sleeve on one... Because he's still wearing gloves. So he lost half a sleeve and maybe a quarter of a sleeve on the other arm. I really wish Iron Man would come up with a suit of armor that's just like a (laughs) helmet
1: and a metal Speedo. (laughs) And that would be great.
0: That's what Hercules would wear if he right? wore a warmer. And a, and a metal harness. Um, Hawkeye's excuse for changing is, you know, we're on the West Coast and it's warmer here. So then Mockingbird says, hey, I've got a new costume too. And she comes out with no pants on. But she has long sleeves. Yeah, her sleeves are so long. Why? She... If you look in the Marvel handbook, she keeps her those uh, her battle, the, stabs the, the battle her sleeves stabs on some sort of harness thing uh-huh. so she can launch them out. But she doesn't need to cover them with her sleeves. Yeah.
1: I'm not a fashion designer. And? And? I still don't hate her new
0: costume. Then she says that she's letting her hair grow out. After cutting it well. Last issue. Yeah. We just found out last issue that she had Well, short she's hair.
1: probably complaining. She's probably tired of honk. I complaining about it every other minute. I don't blame her. She, she just got it cut. How can...
0: Yeah, I'm growing mine out too the day after I
1: get it cut. I mean, it just naturally happens. I'm Look, I'm not saying you're wrong, but again, she's probably just saying this so honk. I'll stop making snide comments.
0: My next note doesn't come until uh, Tigra goes after Iron Man. She says one of the creepiest things. You had your chance to make me do what you want. Just, this whole tiger thing is so disturbing. That's my old that was Steve Engelhart thing. I'm making yeah, I'm like he's really writing these women creepy. Yes, he is. It's really disturbing. Uh, <laughs> we see Hank Pym talking to a guy named Joaquin about um the landscaping at the compound. And Joaquin seems to be highly overdressed for a landscaper. <laughs> yes, he's wearing a suit and tie, which I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen a lot of
1: landscapers. I've worked with a few. I've never seen them dressed that way before. That's very strange.
0: Uh, when we next see uh, Hawkeye, he's practicing uh, shooting some bow and arrow things as he does. Yes. And Hank Pym comes towards him uh, pulling his pants up. <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh! I did notice this the last time we saw Hank Pym and Tigra they were kissing yep, yep, yep. and Pim, the next time we see Hank Pym Pim is putting his pants back he's on he's putting his pants on and tucking his shirt back in that's amazing
0: how did I miss that yeah see I went into this issue all wrong because I thought it, that these villains existed before nope just zacks and when this quantum this quantum guy just comes out of nowhere yeah and then half-life like we said walks out of a, a reactor I had no idea what was going on yeah I didn't either nobody did It's not very well explained. It's not explained. It's not explained at all. It's really not. We don't know who these people are or why they're there.
1: It's not (laughs) poorly explained. It's simply not explained.
0: (laughs) My favorite part of the fight that they have is when uh, Wonder Man realizes that Half-Life can't hurt him, and he picks Half-Life up. Yes, because Half-Life is making Mockingbird grow older. (laughs) Yeah, and Hawkeye can't get in there. So uh, Wonder Man picks her up and is like, you can't hurt me because I'm made out of energy." And then then he just punches her in the head. (laughs) Pop! Wow.
1: When the Avengers go off towards downtown to fight Half-Life and Quantum, it says from their conference room to their hangar is a straight monorail shot. The Avengers have a monorail!
0: Inside the compound. Apparently. That's exciting. Why
1: did we never see that? I wonder them? if it's
0: like one of those old like, farmer dudes that builds a, a roller coaster in his backyard for his <laughs> for his grandchildren. I don't know, but I would... sitting in them. a little car with their knees like up to their chins. mm So So, Half-Life's power only lasts for a certain amount of time, apparently. So, well, let's talk about Half-Life. These villains are useless. Let's talk about Half-Life for a minute. I can touch you and age you half to death, and then in a little while you'll be fine. So, Mockingbird
1: goes up to beat Half-Life with a battle staff. She starts getting aged. And Hawkeye and Iron Man stand around and go, Oh no, what can I do? Well, I don't know. You both have distance attacks if you tried (laughs) using them? Yeah, we, we haven't seen that Half-Life's, like, invulnerable to anything. No. So when when Mockingbird's on the ground, Iron Man flies down and puts himself in physical contact with Half-Life so that she can age him as well. She ages his armor, I think. No, she ages him. How does armor. that work? His armor stays fine, but he's aging inside it.
0: How do we know that? Because he thinks it. She's not actually making contact with him. That bugs me. That's in, your problem. In your addition problem, to the other things I've named, sure. <laughs> your problem isn't that the, the, the two of the
1: most experienced Avengers on the team, in Hawkeye's case, whose only power is that he
0: is a distance fighter. And that he has good reaction time. Can't figure out to just knock her out. And when you see someone harming your wife, you wouldn't automatically go, holy crap, I'm going to fire an arrow at that woman.
1: Also, it's not that Half-Life's power is less for, only a, short, for a certain amount of time. It's that when she's knocked out... Every, oh, Everything yeah. reverts back to normal That is such a cop-out Let me get, let me be clear I'm not saying I want an octogenarian so... mockingbird on the team But the idea that if you knock her out Her power reverts Makes no sense
0: So what happens if she ages everyone on the planet And she becomes ruler of the planet And then she goes and takes a nap Does everybody get better again? <laughs> and she also says her power doesn't make sense Because she says her power is to take you halfway
1: to death Well how do her powers know when you're going to die? Like what's what's death if i'm gonna be hit by a bus at fifty four does her power know that, and when it touches me, it takes me halfway to that Does it take me halfway to how does her power know when i'm gonna die? How can it take
0: me halfway to death? I don't know maybe it's something on a molecular level. is she just being overly dramatic? Is she not you know I, she... would, I would just stand there and let her keep touching me and see what happens so you're never actually going to kill me yeah, you're you just can't gonna get me halfway me. to dying, yeah. And then Graviton shows up and gives a big speech about his unified field theory that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so
1: basically he's saying that these guys are together. These four are a team because they are the fundamental forces. And, and the fundamental forces is a real scientific theory. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they are the fo- – the fundamental forces are the f- – no, We don't have to. We'll get into it next issue. Okay. All right then. MVP? Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Is there anything in the letters column or anything I need to know about? Uh,
0: The Marks Remarks column is uh, an anti-smoking ad. He basically says, I don't smoke. And he says, like, out of the top, like, six editors, none of them smoke. And then he names, like, 13 other people in the office and says only four of them smoke. And then he doesn't allow smoking in his office because it irritates him. And then he basically says, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but you could probably get what I'm saying. And stay in school, kids. (laughs) It was, was like, the weirdest. I feel like he's just filling up space. And then there's a letter from Dan Parent uh, complaining about the Grim Reaper being dead. The letter isn't important and it's not very good, but I'm pretty sure that this is the same Dan Parent that writes for Archie Comics. I was going to say, yeah, he's a comics creator. And in uh, 2012, he introduced Kevin Keller, the first openly gay Archie character, and then the following year, he won a GLAAD Media Award for that.
1: Yeah, yeah, good for
0: Dan Parent. We like him. That's it. MVP. I'm giving it to Wonder Man, despite the horrible costume, because he's the one who realizes that they should switch up who they're fighting. He's the only, I gave it to him as
1: well, he's the only one during the fight who displays a modicum of battle sense. (laughs) Yes. Useless character? Uh, Tiger is a total bitch in this issue. She is horrible. I also gave it, well, I gave it to Mockingbird, who does nothing but run up to someone and get aged and then <laughs> scream about how she has wrinkles and crow's and <laughs> feet now.
0: You would think from a distance, she just could have hit her with that staff and knocked her out before she touched her. Mm-hmm. Who goes into a fight and just lets people touch them on purpose? Right?
1: Uh, best quote taken out of
0: context? Uh, there's an exchange. It's, it's two okay. okay. This do you. That does me just fine.
1: (laughs) That's great. Avengers level threat? Uh, No. Well, they certainly should be. I mean, there is no universe in which these four characters shouldn't be an Avengers level threat. But goodness knows the Avengers... And they give the Avengers more
0: trouble than they probably should. I mean, maybe... Well, Zax doesn't. He gets taken out pretty easily. Well, Hawkeye's beat him alone before, so... And then seriously, Half-Life should have been taken... Maybe Quantum was a threat, because I'm still not sure what he can do. And then when Graviton shows up, sure... That's a threat, but he doesn't do anything in this issue. Final grade. Uh, I gave it a D. It's another one of these weird... We've had like three or four floundering issues in a row where they're not sure what they're doing, and there's no point other than to make me hate Tiger even more. I gave it a D as well. Here's my problem with this issue specifically. Steve Englehart
1: decided he was going to... So the fundamental forces concept is interesting. As you say. we'll talk more about it next issue. But he decided he was going to introduce these new characters in Quantum and Half-Life. And then decided he wasn't going to give them a personality or explainable powers or motivations. One of them can't even speak. You know, at least least when we saw Headlock and Griffin, or when we saw Shockwave, Razor Fist, and Zarin, we knew what they could do. You know, it was pretty obvious what these guys could do. At least enough. But these two characters are ciphers. There's just there's
0: no they just don't make sense. I don't know. I might beg to differ on Headlock. I'm still not sure what his thing was. I mean, I think they explained him as much as they explained.
1: Well, you may be Half-Life. right.
0: I guess maybe it bothered
1: me more here cuz I was just I'm reading this and I'm like, why are these characters? Why are there no personalities
0: here? I would say the difference is that when Headlock showed up, you knew that he was the villain of the issue and he brought Griffin along to like help him out. Yeah. And when the other three showed up the last issue, you knew that they were there because S.H.I.E.L.D. had them. To be mercenaries, right. yeah. and they were the villains of the issue. In this one, Quantum shows up for no reason, yeah, out of nowhere, and then Half-Life shows up. I mean, you don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's never explained. We don't get the main villain until the last panel of the issue. Yeah. We'll get a little bit more explanation here. Uh, West Coast Avengers number 13 from October of 1986, again by Steve Englehart and Al Milgram, unfortunately. And this one is called The Unified Field Theory. See, I told you we are going to talk about it more. Well, this is fun. Graviton is back and he appears more organized than ever. Instead of trying to be some sort of disco mafia guy running an organized crime ring out of his house slash nightclub, he's back to his old ways of lording over a flying estate a secure compound on a chunk of Earth complete with uniformed henchmen. He has Tiger on a leash, and he has the rest of the Avengers well-contained. I'm sure everything will go swimmingly for him from here on out. But, uh-oh, now Graviton is referring to himself as a god, and, oh, here we go, he's launching into flashbacks. There's no way this is working out in his favor. Yes, Graviton explains his entire history to his non-plussed cohorts Quantum and Half-Life. He can lift a vase without touching it. He can make a wrench hit an old man in the head. He can try to coerce a woman into liking him. He truly has the powers of a god. And, just like that, Half-Life is already regretting her alliance. See, all Graviton ever wanted was complete control of everything. Is that too much to ask? It is? You don't like that? Well, how about some more flashback-like explanations? Have you ever wanted to learn about the unified field theory? The idea that gravity, electromagnetism, strong force, and weak force account for everything in nature? No? Well, that's too bad. See, Graviton is more than a god. He's also a scientist, and he's also crazy. He goes on to explain how each of these weird villains represents part of the theory, but then he undermines his own explanation by admitting that he didn't have a corresponding person to fill the electromagnetism spot, so he grabs Zax and watched Hawkeye beat him. How is that a good thing? Doesn't that kind of prove his theory false? Oh, nevertheless, he persists. He explains that the unified field theory relies on attraction, and that's why he and Tigra are going to make cat babies. To prove this point, he kisses Tigra, and she likes it, though she hates herself for liking it. Then Quantum steps forward and says something in his alien language that I can only interpret as him asking for a turn with the furry chick. and, (laughs) And Graviton says, No, Quantum, we are agreed to assist each other on projects of evil and nothing more. Which, let's be honest, is not something a sane person ever says. Anyway, enough talking. Graviton has better things to do, like sit in a throne and stroke his new pet-slash-girlfriend. Meanwhile... Hawkeye and Mockingbird, who are being inexplicably held in some sort of electro-cage thing while their teammates are face-down under the pressure of gravity, scheme to send a distress signal to the East Coast team. But Graviton knew they were going to do that, and he uses his gravity powers to divert the radio signals, which doesn't seem plausible to me, but I don't have the time or patience to look it up in a science textbook. I guess the team is going to have to find some other way to distract the villain this time. Meanwhile, elsewhere, Hank Pym is visiting the Grimoire Book Shoppy. Shop, shop, shop shoppy? Shop, (laughs) Looking for information on the dark hold or master pandemonium. The clerk insists that neither of those things exist, but Hank Pimp says he's seen the dark hold himself. The old man, looking nervous, replies that he doesn't know what Pim's talking about. As Pim storms out of the store, some weirdo female demon emerges from behind the counter, says something foreboding, and then follows Pim underground. Back in Graviton land, Tigra is getting restless. She tries to escape, but Graviton stops her. She tries to attack him, but Graviton stops her again. <laughs> he scolds her for this and puts her in a timeout bubble so she can think about what she's done. Then he wanders off to do other important things, like wandering off. Tigra uses this time to fight herself over her urges. Should she be human? Should she let her cat persona take over? Should we care? She realizes the cat part of her soul has slowly taken over without her even noticing, and she uses her amulet to turn back into Greer Nelson. Just then, a guard walks by and sees a brunette in a bikini. He, of course, decides to hit on her like any normal guy would do. (laughs) He walks through the gravity bubble, and she asks him how. He offers up that each guard has a neutralizer in their pocket. I don't know why he said that, and then they fight. Tiger beats him and takes his neutralizer, and here's the deus ex machina we've been waiting for. Tiger tosses the guard's uniform on and approaches Half-Life. She starts a rumor that Quantum wants to kill her. Of course, Half-Life runs off to confront her co-conspirator, and the two start wailing on each other. Graviton rushes over to break up the fight, calling on his guards for assistance. Most of the guards run to help, leaving only two guarding Hawkeye and Mockingbird. Tiger then rushes those guards, takes their neutralizers, and frees her teammates. And then those two somehow use the same neutralizers to free the other two, which defies explanation, because how are four people using two neutralizers to counteract the gravity effects? And then things get even more unexplainable, as the villain's struggle builds up some sort of force, which ejects both Quantum and Half-Life from the floating island, and sends the whole thing rocketing skyward. Apparently, Graviton has lost control, and he's just standing there. Iron Man and Wonder Man start rescuing everyone who isn't Graviton because he's a god and doesn't need any help. The Avengers hop off the floating compound and watch it hurtle out into space. Then they take all the henchmen to the Rancho Palos Verdes police station. Mockingbird asks Tigra if she's going to stay as Greer Nelson, and Tigra says no. But she's gonna be more careful from here on out, whatever that means. Before our story ends, we return to Hank Pym, who appears to be in the gym, packing up equipment from a softball tournament that he held by himself. And that creepy old demon lady is right behind him. Watch out, Hank! To be continued. Our roll call here, uh, the team, it's still the same team. (laughs) It's Hawkeye, (laughs) Mockingbird, Wonder Man, Iron Man, and Tigra. Hank Pym is still hanging around. He's being followed by some weird demon. And our villains are Quantum, Half-Life, and Graviton, who we've all seen before. Trying to build up the energy to talk about this issue. Unified Field Theory. Did you want to talk about that? Do you want to pull up your notes from the last issue that you were going to talk about? I didn't really
1: have notes except to say that it exists and it's a real thing. And I can tell you that the unified field theory was proven false. (laughs) Sorry, the fundamental forces, which is what he calls themselves, the fundamental forces are the four interactions that are not reducible to more basic interactions. And that's supposedly what these four represent, whoops, I mean three, because Zax has enough sense to stay dissipated after Hawkeye beats him last issue. <laughs>
0: As if he had a choice.
1: It is somewhat interesting while well, Graviton flashbacks that we see him in the lab. It's easy to forget that Graviton was a scientist because he's such a loony most of the time that he doesn't <laughs> seem like one. Some villains very much seem like they're scientists, he does not. He's got the mad part down, scientists not so much. He invented gravity, Right. <laughs> So it's interesting to see him from that. Apparently, Graviton and Quantum uh, have a relationship much like Han Solo and Chewbacca. I thought you were going to say much like Cap and Bucky. <laughs> no. <laughs> Where Graviton can understand what Quantum says, I don't know why. Or how. More likely, I don't know how. How does he understand
0: that? And probably with his gravity powers. Right. He, can, he can gravitize the language to English. Does like he can send radio signals off somewhere? Please don't let me stop you. If you have notes, <laughs> seems
1: like you've skipped right to the end. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I would again like to point out that cats are not sex addicts. <laughs> I don't really understand where this comes from. And it are comes in fact from Steve Engler. Quite independent. When Tiger is breaking out of her prison with this guard, the guard says, "This guard is creepy too." This is just man against woman, and we both know who's stronger. Okay, unnecessary,
0: Steve single
1: heart and then she meets these other guards and in she's and they like, pull that typical guard thing who are you <laughs> who are you she's wearing a guard's uniform and she goes up to them and they're like who are you and she's like hey i'm a guard and they're like oh good we were looking for tigra you're not tigra and that's all we have to watch out for <laughs>
0: couldn't could you already tell she wasn't tigra where did they get these guards from
1: when she, when she first, when Greer Nelson first turns back into Greer from Tigris, she says, I'm Greer Nelson, a real person, not even a feminist person, but a simple human being. Does she say that out loud or does she think it? No, she says it out loud. Oh, oh, that's the best. What is she talking about? What does that mean? Not even a feminist person, but a simple human being.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Why, I don't Why know. do you have
1: to qualify that you're not a feminist? what's the difference aren't feminists you are feminists not human beings maybe they're not really women i've (laughs) completely misunderstood this whole movement all along and then finally half-life she goes up to half-life and half-life says hello there person i don't know and know nothing about i'm going to believe everything you tell me about this other person i don't know and know
0: nothing about well she is a guard so she's official
1: apparently yeah all she's like she's like hey half-life quantum hates you she's like he hates me son <laughs> of a god i'm going after that guy there's no, there's not even a little bit of
0: maybe. let's think this through oh we only have a day to write the script okay
1: <laughs> yeah i mean she she doesn't even go up to quantum and say quantum i heard something is it true she goes up to quantum and she's like i'm taking you down alien man and the dude doesn't
0: even speak her language he turns around and is like i what letters and such letters uh the marks remarks column covers a question he apparently gets often. What's the best way to submit designs for new characters? And his answer is, don't do it. (laughs) It's pretty much. It's like a three paragraph. He's like, don't, just don't, don't do it. We create the characters ourselves. And he said he could think of one instance where one character was taken from a suggestion from someone. And I thought that was really weird. Like someone just offered up a character. Do you think it was Half-Life or Quantum? Here's a character idea. Feel free. Nobody does that. No, now they don't. And obviously, no, no. I remember when I was a kid, I used to write letters to Kenner telling them what um, Star Wars figures they should create, and they sent me a letter once that said, thanks, but um, we can do this. You wrote a lot of letters as a kid. I did. I didn't have anything else to do. I didn't have any friends. Apparently not. Yeah. And a bucket of broken crayons. That was my friend. Anything else from the letters page that we should know uh, Yes, Yes, this is awesome. There is a letter here from a Robert Shaver of Damascus, Arkansas. He submitted this letter that is so offensive and strange that I am going to read it verbatim. Oh, I can't wait. This is the second letter I have written concerning the sixth member of the West Coast Avengers. And I only have one thing to say. The thing is the choice to make. Firebird is a sick heroine who deserved to die in battle. Hint. Firebird is a dog. She looks stupid and has a whining personality. What the? Do not make her the sixth member or a member at all. Let the defenders have her. Yeah, I know the defenders are finished, but so is Firebird. Even if she turns into a trans am. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't have made that letter up if you gave me a boggle game. I, (laughs) like, none of those words. That is just so, did his mom punch him when he was a baby? I think Steve Engelhart wrote that. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! Oh, I have
1: to stop thinking of the last line because even if she's so so removed
0: from the rest of the letter, oh yeah. <laughs> even if she turns into a trance. Oh my gosh! I did. He was so angry about Firebird. It
1: is interesting because, of course, he says nothing about the fact that she's Hispanic. But of course, you have to wonder if that's not Either why he. That or because her so much. she was Catholic well he's, maybe he's irish he's a protestant irish i have such vitriol yeah that's a great letter uh, why didn't why didn't steve engelhart create an, a new superhero named Transam? am mm,
0: that Dude. would have been in the transformers wouldn't it
1: <laughs> oh that's wonderful what was their response to that uh I, I
0: think it was like tell us how you really feel robert <laughs> that's horrible
1: anywho anything else no, no, that was enough. MVP. Uh, I I guess you got to give it to Tigra. Yeah. I mean, I, I, hate, don't, I don't want to. I hate the way it's written, but she, she does save the day. Useless character?
0: Uh, Hawkeye. He spends the whole issue in a
1: bubble and then can't even help them when it's time to escape. I think you could pick any of them. I picked Mockingbird, but you know. Anybody else, they're all pretty much useless. I think she tried. She had that radio transmitter hidden. I just stood there I was like,
0: what are we what's going on?
1: What about uh, Best Quote Taken Out of Context? I didn't have one. Avengers-level threat. Uh, yeah, usually Graviton's a, a pretty big threat. Again, if written correctly, they should all be Avengers-level threats together. They should be together, but final grade.
0: I gave it a C. I'm not altogether sure what this unifying force thing was supposed to be about, but they always seem to find some dumb way to get rid of Graviton. And that entertains me. I gave it a D. Uh, I detest
1: the way Tiger is being written. Oh no, yeah, I don't understand it. It is so misogynistic, and in some ways that you can't quite put your finger on, like not even a feminist, but a real simple, but a simple human being. Like I don't quite understand. She's a female character being written by a guy who I don't think likes females. Yeah, I don't understand. Which is so funny because if you go back to his his run, his original run on the Avengers, you know his Mantis was Our
0: Mantis was like his favorite character and ever. She was a
1: very strong female yeah. and um he's the one that introduced moon dragon to the team mm-hmm. and she's an incredibly strong female so and i thought his work on the scarlet witch was was decent while he was on the while he was doing the book yeah next time we see him we're gonna have to ask him what happened at this point in his life he, that... yeah did he get a divorce is he going <laughs> through something because Something's yeah he, not right. he really seemed like he could write decent female characters especially for the 70s and now it's 10 years later
0: and it's like he's gone back 30 years maybe they won't let him get rid of tigra and he's just angry well, I don't blame him for that. He's so taking it out on her.
1: I'm just um, gonna ruin
0: this character. And her her
1: escape is so simple that it's ridiculously unbelievable. She basically ballets past the guards and whispers something in Half Life, and then the villains beat themselves while she rescues her teammates. Yep, it's insane. There's no way. In, there's no way this should work.
0: It is what I like to call bananas. Well, you knew as soon as that guard had to over-explain how he got into that gravity bubble with her. Well, you see, person that I shouldn't be telling this to, I have this device here that will save the whole day. And again, to be clear, none of these villains except for
1: Graviton have a personality, and his personality is so broad as to be barely a personality. So, apparently, you and I were naughty in 2017, and this Santa brought us a big batch of coal in our stockings for these two issues. These are... Horrible! Don't tell me what I got for Christmas already. We just put this up. We got crap. Hopefully, in twenty eighteen, huh, we'll uh, be much better, so we can get better issues. <laughs> this is our last issue. Well, I guess we'll we'll will the next episode come out before New
0: Year's? No. It'll come out on New Year. Well, no, I should have time to put it up. Nah, it'll be posted on Monday. It'll so, be out on New Year's Day. So this will be our last. This will this be this our, last our last episode, episode for 2017.
1: 2017. Yeah. Um, all I can say is I look forward to 2018 and hopefully better issues. And we know we've got Under Siege coming up in the in the new in the parent title very shortly. What you weren't
0: supposed to give that away, but not yet. On our next episode, we cover our two team crossover annuals where Quicksilver does some bad things. Freedom Force shows up, and we witness the return of the Zodiac. When was the last time we saw them? Were you we just in double-digit issues? It might have been Black, Black. Wait, was Black Panther on the team then?
1: If it, if it wasn't double, it might not have been double. It might have been triple digits, but it, yes, it was because Libra was around. Oh, but it was very, very low. It was like low
0: hundreds. We saw them twice in here, right? We saw <clears> them <throat> once when Nick Fury was posing yes. as Scorpio, and then we saw them again when Cornelius Van Lunt mm-hmm. <laughs> made the Avengers go to work for him. Yeah,
1: yeah, they were on a couple of times there. And we they did take over the city that one time, but that was just Aries, the rest of the Zodiac. Yes. He had he had costume flunkies that were Zodiac, and yes. we didn't actually see the other 11 signs. Right.
0: Yeah, weird stuff. We're just stalling for time now, aren't we? Well,
1: we're stall for time. I mean, I go, it's Christmas. These people want to go back and drink eggnog and open presents and eat fruitcake. That's what people do on Christmas, right? Fruitcake and eggnog?
0: I've never had eggnog.
1: Or fruitcake. For I've me. had fruitcake. Have, have you? I don't mind it. Really?
0: Yeah.
1: I know what to get you. Give you two or three that I have laying around from years ago. Yeah. No, I've, I, I'm not an eggnog drinker or a fruitcake eater. Christmas is about lasagna. That's our Christmas dinner. Mom makes lasagna.
0: I thought that was the day after Christmas.
1: No, no. My mom makes lasagna for Christmas. Actually, we have Christmas Eve dinner with them and then Christmas no. dinner with Brad's family. Yeah, maybe that's what we do, too. Christ, and my,
0: Christmas Day is lasagna.
1: Mom makes lasagna for Christmas Eve and Brad's family makes a traditional Christmas meal with like turkey and stuffing and
0: nonsense. So, wait... You do the Christmas Eve lasagna and uh-huh. then the right, like turkey and the fixings for Christmas Day. Yeah, because ours, ours is the other way around. Well, we used to be Christmas Day was
1: lasagna, but you know now that we have that we do my family and Brad's family on Christmas day we don't want to do two big meals so my mom makes the we spend christmas eve at my parents and she makes a lasagna for that day and then we spend christmas we we go to my parents christmas morning and then go over to Brad's family's for the rest of the day and they we have a big meal there two big meals in one day we learn that with thanksgiving two big meals in one day is one too many big meals on our next episode <laughs> We'll we'll talk about what we do for New Year's. Yeah, this year for me, New Year's, I'll be... Don't give it away. I'll be recording the podcast (laughs) remotely from a cruise ship because I care about the podcast. I'm going to Skype it in. That's right. It'll be interesting. I'm hoping to meet Commander Kraken. He attacks cruise ships, doesn't he? All right. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry
0: Christmas. That'll (laughs) be the last time Jason will ever say that. Thanks for listening. If you are so bored on Christmas Day that you just want to drop us a line, our email is uh, mail at avenginghour.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Avenging Hour. We have a Facebook page on our website. It's avenginghour.com. Merry Christmas. We love you all. Bye-bye.